put on a stack of 45s, dance the night away. We're going to jive. Yeah, it's Rich Buckland of the Splendid Bohemians with his partner and pal Bill Mesnick in California, the other Splendid Bohemian. And we're here for the program, put on a stack of 45s. Bill, what's the idea of this show? What's What are we doing here, well, man? Well, we want everybody to stay a while. Oh, ouch. That's why you make the big money. Yeah. <laughs> For those who forget who recorded Stay A While. Stay A While was recorded by Mary Isobel Catherine Bernadette O'Brien. Who in the world could that possibly be, Ms? Who? who? Well, that record, that name probably wouldn't fit on a record label, so... They changed it to Dusty Springfield. They certainly did. Dusty Springfield, originally with the Lana sisters, a folk artist. Uh, she she had a Bee Gees-esque career in that she came from one interpretation of what she could be and then uh, became this inspirational, impressionistic singer capable of of a multitude of uh, of sounds. and She reinvented herself a few times during yes. her relatively short life. Absolutely, absolutely. The Bee Gees actually only had to do one real reinvention. That was the disco thing. But man, when they did that, they did that. But they too started as this young folkish group and they were, right. they were clean cut and the whole thing. And Dusty was very clean cut uh, in that womanly young woman fashion. And then she blossomed into this persona with the hair and the mascara. And uh, I'm, I'm sure... Yes, Petula Clark, Petula Clark called her the White Lady of Soul. The White Lady of Soul. You can see where Amy Winehouse got some of her inspiration from as well. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. in, as far as her appearance is concerned and, and some of her phrasing, def definitely inspired by Dusty Springfield. Um, well, I saw, I, I, I was watching in my research, watching a bunch of YouTube videos of Dusty through her various incarnations, and I saw one really amusing uh, episode of Dame Edna, and she said um, to Dusty, she goes, now you invented the panda mascara look, and, uh, and Dusty said, well, that's because I'm nearsighted. And uh, I couldn't apply the makeup properly. Yes, yes. She's told that story. She, I, I believe that story is repeated in a couple of documentaries. That's the thing. She, her eyesight was was bad. That's how that that had occurred. Yeah. Um, but it was an iconic look. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a definitive look. And as she became more popular, it fit in dramatically well with all the black artists that she was drawn to and promoted during her career. Um, without Dusty Springfield, the Motown Review, when it came to the United Kingdom in 1964, would never have received the attention that it did. And believe me, it was not received particularly well. But they brought the Motown Review over because Dusty was connected with the iconic program Ready, Steady, Go. Calling out around the world on a 24 brand new beat. 
which right. we had our versions of it in the States, of in Shindig and Hullabaloo. And uh, she, she was the draw. She was the one who said, I would like to have these black artists come in. Contacted Barry Gordy, became very good friends with a lot of the Motown artists, Martha Reeves in particular. Um, of course, Diana Ross, Smokey Robinson, and uh, they performed. And even more, even more later in the decade when she had her own television series. I saw a clip with her and Jimi Hendrix, yes. of all people, Yep, doing Mockingbird. Yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, when you Fantastic. Can, yeah, yeah. When you consider every, uh, w- when you consider an artist who we associate with the 60s having been present for uh, the explorations of soul and beyond into the world of Jimi Hendrix, that's really something. That's really something. And of course, it wasn't her only calling card because she had a career that had to continue and she did her best to satisfy it. I remember uh, seeing her one time with Buddy Rich. And Buddy Rich and Dusty Springfield did not like each other very much. I can see that. Yeah, it was a contentious relationship. Buddy, he was a man's man, and she was a woman's woman. Oh, well, you, you got it. You just nailed it. You just nailed it. And it was, the idea was for them to do the Vegas circuit in front of And Dusty could go there later in her career, absolutely. But um, going back to stay a while, after having heard I Only Want to Be With You, I was so taken by the arrangement, this Phil Spector-esque wall of sound appeared to be behind her, but it seemed to be more, uh, it seemed to be designed just as Phil's recordings were to capture whoever the vocalist was. Mm-hmm. When Stay A While was released after I Only Want to Be With You, that stayed with me. That that particular performance stayed with me. It was as good, in my estimation, as any of the R&B records by black artists of the day. And that's really saying something. And that's a great song. 1964 made it to 38 in America on the Phillips label, B-Side, Something Special. I love that one, too. Um, something Special. Yep. But she, you know, I mean, it was not by any means uh, in the top five, really, of her biggest hits, I don't think, or maybe... Just barely. But uh, it is a powerful, fun record. And it's got heart. As we were, as we were talking about Burt Burns in a prior episode, uh, his capacity to write to the heart and get vocalists to direct their message right where you live. To me, as bouncy and upbeat a recording as that is, there's something very painful in there in the idea of being separated, uh, an idea in this Right, in, but at the same time, sort of fun and inviting. Yes, um, yes. This was a, a troubled woman, and um, she, she was hospitalized several times for self-harm and um, diagnosed with bipolar. She, she, it's amazing she was able to persevere to the extent that she did. Well, she had kind of a Judy Garland thing going on. Yes. Yeah. You wonder how could someone with that type of emotional pain and everything that is detrimental to a career 
continue to make the kind of recordings such as Dusty in Memphis uh, as she did and soldier on and keep that career open and alive given, given these circumstances, these emotional circumstances. Son. And when his daddy would visit, he'd come along When they gather around and started talking That's when Billy would take me walking Out through the backyard we go walking Then he'd look into my eyes Lord knows to my surprise The only one who could ever reach me Was the son of a preacher man The only boy who could ever teach me Was the son of a preacher man See what he was well, it's interesting you mentioned Dusty in Memphis. I mean, originally we talked about Son of a Preacher Man doing featuring that record, because but that's the obvious choice. I mean, in 1969, she made this record. It was another comeback helmed by um, Jerry Wexler. And it's just was put recently into the Library of Congress. It's judged one of the best recordings of all time. Preacher Man made it to number 10. But it's in in Wexler's book, he talks about how difficult it was working with her. I mean, he brought her 100 songs. She she wouldn't approve any of them initially. She called Tom Dowd a prima donna. Um, She wouldn't record a practice track. He said the sessions were grueling, but they ended up with a masterpiece. And that's, once again, to the, uh, as we were talking about during our episode discussing uh, uh, Sam Samudio um, and Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs, Jerry Wexler once again grabbed, of all people, Sam for a recording with Dwayne Allman and uh, many other uh, great musicians of the day. And I'm sure Sam was just grateful. And it's, it's interesting, isn't it? The, those, well, it's very interesting. She recorded her vocals in New York. Yes, the vocals were recorded in New York. Yeah, yeah. You know, so for this Southern stew, she she ended up being in New York to record. Yeah, I think that once you have difficulties in the studio, that happened a few times. It happened a few times with uh, in uh, Muscle Shoals, and there'd be difficulties, and Wexler would have to move the operation back to New York and certain part of the recordings were done elsewhere. Uh, you know, that, it's the insanity of the business and the real insanity of some of the artists that conduct that business that we pay tribute to. Um, yeah. As much as we've adored them, they they suffered dramatically and they caused others to suffer through their uh, interactions with them they're trying to the idea is put out the best damn record you can put out but everything else gets in the way and um i guess that goes on well you know great artists are often extremely sensitive and temperamental and you know we love them but they can be very hard to work with there's some that are sons of bitches (laughs) Yeah, and uh, you know she um, she had a controversial personal life um, f- 
from 1966 to the early 70s. She was in a domestic partnership with woman Norma Tanega. But when she was describing herself, Dusty said, I'm not anything. I basically want to be straight. I just can't love a man that, uh, you know, that's my hang up. They frighten me. <laughs> this was in 73. Yeah, well, she was. To, yeah. to Chris Van Ness of the L.A. Free Press. Uh-huh. And that's quite a uh, that's quite a revelation to make during that era where so many performers were fearful of being outed, whether it be uh, in Hollywood or in the music industry. Uh, there was yeah, I mean, she was outspoken, and as a matter of fact, in 82, she had a two-year relationship with a woman, Tata Brocky, who knocked out her teeth with a saucepan, and they both ended up going to the hospital. But in 2015, Equality Forum named her gay icon uh, for LGBT History Month. Yeah, I don't and think she, she was... A beloved, she's a beloved gay icon. I don't think she was ever kidding anybody. I think it always was was present for some particular reason. Um, Reminds me of our Leslie Gore episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the same type of... Yeah. The, the, there are facts that Leslie Gore was, was quite stable. And um, Dusty, unfortunately, was not. You'd mentioned that one of her early relationships... And private. And private, right. Very private. You'd mentioned that um, one of her early relationships was with Norma Tenega, and you cannot mention Norma Tenega without mentioning her moment in the sun, which was a recording called Walking My Cat Named Dog. And it was uh, Dusty that encouraged Norma to pursue this particular line of work. Uh, And she went on to become a prolific uh, illustrator and uh, commanded a canvas. And she passed away last year, Norma Tenega. Oh. Yes. Oh, thank you for that. Walking Um, my cat named Dog. Her last, Dusty's last big comeback back was in 1990 with the Pet Shop Boys. That's correct. Who wrote five songs uh, in her album. uh, I think it was called Reputation. And the Pet Shop Boys, having been MTV icons, could only assist in bringing Dusty and keeping her front and center in the the entire... They did that for Liza Minnelli as well. Yes, yes, for Liza Minnelli as well. Oh, there's an, and there, there we have another story. Uh, That's a story. Well, you talk about Liza and her difficulties, difficult right. women. Her, her status as a gay icon. As a gay icon, right, exactly. So, you know, you, it's, it's interesting. The Pet Shop Boys seem to be attracted to that, uh, to that dimension of sight. They're, they're the ambassadors. The, amba- the, amba- the ambassadors, exactly, exactly. The liaisons. So there is a documentary titled Full Circle. And if you would like, it's a great Dusty documentary. And feel free to go on our site, strangerintown.podcastpeople.com, where you will find these episodes. And you will also find a free downloadable uh, treasure chest of video and uh, recordings 
for your pleasure. So put in Dusty Springfield in the search and take a look at Full Circle. It will give you the entire Dusty Springfield story. Our gift to you, Bill, because we love to give, don't we? It's the season. It's it's the season. But even when it's not the season, we love to give. Yeah. It's fact, always our season. I think we go out of our way. It's, all, it's always the season for us. That's right. We are the perpetual Christmas boys. Yeah. We just want to give. We want to make jolly, and we want to give, and we want to bring joy, and we want to bring enlightenment. And we want you to stay a while. And we want you to stay a while. Oh, that's why you get the big bucks. It has been an honor and a pleasure. I thank you so much for uh, sharing the uh, the life and career of Dusty Springfield. The 45 RPM stay a while, because after all, the name of the show is put on a stack of 45s. And we shall return, shall we not? Oh, definitely. I think there's a lot of 45s out there, don't you think? A lot of songs. You know, I'm just beginning to scratch the surface. Beginning to see the light. And on that particular note... We love you. Take care. Be safe. Do the right thing. And every other thing you can think of. We will be see well, you soon. Be well, be well. Be well, be well. We'll see you soon. We love you. Bill Mesnick in California. Rick Buckland in Florida. We are the splendid Bohemians. Thank you for listening. Take care.